If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club, and this is your show. Well, it almost feels like the opening music for this week's episode of the Blue Moon podcast should be the theme from Jaws. But frankly, we couldn't afford the license for worldwide clearance, especially not at such short notice. You'll just have to imagine that we used it and hum it to yourself for something like that. The not-so-hidden meaning is still there. An Arsenal win on Sunday, combined with a Manchester City win on Monday, has left the table looking pretty good right now, hasn't it? Pep Guardiola's side are two points behind the leaders Liverpool and have a game in hand. Not a situation that many saw coming, even in mid-December, following a run of four wins in 11 games. Games. With a performance at Brentford, though, the evidence is beginning to stack up that City are getting their act together this season. Yet another away game where they concede the first goal, but also yet another away game where the final result both looks and feels comprehensive. We'll discuss the talking points from that match shortly. Plus, we'll look ahead to the game with Everton. Matt Jones from the Blue Room podcast will join us a bit later on. And the Champions League returns as City go to Copenhagen next Tuesday. We'll preview that one as well. I'm David Mooney. Joining me for this one, I've got City fan Adam Keyworth. Hello, thanks for having me. The first time I've been on in four times where we've won the game before. I I, I didn't think about that, but actually, yeah, you're right. I still, I've uh, I, I've been asking you when it's been a bad result, so uh, welcome welcome to a positive one. Thank you. <laughs> and from the Daily Mail, we're also joined by Jack Gorn. Hello, Jack. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah, good. Thanks. You well? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, think I should full disclosure. While we're recording this, I'm tucking into a disgustingly healthy juice. That I've made this morning. How healthy are we talking here? Uh, pineapple, celery, ginger, turmeric, coconut water. Mm, I think that's a bit too healthy for this podcast, Mike. Yeah. It's a bit too sugary. <laughs> <laughs> I have. Uh, I've not eaten yet, and I've got a Pepsi Max already sat next. You've to not me, eaten? So. No, I've not eaten. Not eaten yet. I've not eaten either. Is that weird? That is. Yeah, I think that's weird. How many like coffees and stuff have you had? I don't do coffee either. No, I well, know you don't do flavoured here. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going on the attack then to start with, are we? Um, let's, uh, just before we get into it, I, uh, I mentioned the theme from Jaws at the, at the start of the show. Adam, if you could pick one City moment to be soundtracked by a film score, uh, what moment would it be and what piece of music would you pick? Sylvan Distan, Aston Villa, 2006. I know it well, yeah. Solo run. Um, and after... Do you know what? When you when you asked me to look at this, I I spent way too long on it, um, <laughs> and I've I've come up with Jackson Brown running on empty from the film Forrest Gump, um, just for the line, and if it perfectly matches up with with the goal, uh, the line I don't know where I'm running now, I'm just running on. Excellent, perfect. Excellent, it does indeed. Jack, uh, you're a Blackpool fan. Uh, if this season for Blackpool could be summed up by a film soundtrack, what would it be? Uh, well, I, I saw on there, saw on Twitter a few months ago where people were suggesting I wasn't a Blackpool fan and maybe a United fan, I think, which uh, <laughs> would have made my childhood far easier. Um, uh, where is my mind by the Pixies from Fight Club? I Excellent. Think. Like, what on earth are we doing? This Excellent. Is yeah, how's it going this season? Is it is it exactly that? 
uh, in and around the playoffs, but they should be bossing the league, and they're not, and it's very disappointing. Frustrating. I actually, I actually booed at a game the other week. Oh wait, what? And it wasn't very, even the Champions League anthem. Very unlike me. Well, uh, well, I hope to get that emotion out of you a bit later on. Um, yeah, well, well I mean, you, you guys will be losing 3-0 at Port Vale in a few years anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, we'll see. We'll, we'll get you back on to uh, to uh, review that one when it happens. Um, this episode of the Blue Moon Podcast is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised City fixture over the 23-24 season. That means if you can't get to the Etihad for this weekend's game with Everton, or if you aren't heading over to Denmark for the game with Copenhagen, you can catch them both in a Green King Sport pub. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can see every single minute of the action. If you download the Green King Sports app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's a match on TV, but this month there's also thousands of pints of free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. So go and get the app there. Um, Let's start then with the Brentford game with, I think there's only one place to start really, Jack, um, and that's the performance of Phil Foden. Um, I did a little bit of number crunching because I'm sad like that after the game. Uh, Foden scored 71% of all of City's Premier League goals against Brentford and in his lifetime uh, no other player has scored for City away at Brentford. Uh, it's niche. <laughs> I like niche, you know that. Yeah, I mean he was um he was, he was amazing on Monday night, wasn't he? But he's but I think he's been he's been great all all season. Um benefited well he's benefited from De Bruyne's absence I think. Um and sort of taken on the response, creative responsibility more and enjoys being in that middle or in the central areas. He's been quite out... I don't know whether you two have noticed, but he's been quite outspoken about playing in the middle. Like he's not mincing his words. He's like, no, I want to be in there and it's better if I ever run a game in the same position. Um, which was quite surprising to hear him say. Um, but then on... You know, looked at the team on Monday night and he was like, oh, he's... He's been shunted out to the left wing again. Um, now they're all back. But watching it, he... Just wasn't at all, was he? He yeah. wasn't, was he? He was just allowed to do whatever he wanted. And they went, they sort of forgot about the left-hand side and let Cavadio move forward whenever he wanted. But they were more bothered about overloading the, the central areas, which you know, which is exactly where he's he's going to flourish in like the small, the small spaces. And you saw... You know, the way they were able to manoeuvre Brentford about was perfect for him to go and drive forward into the box. Yeah, Adam, I, I wonder if this whole discussion about playing him centrally and whether he should be on the left, whether it's all kind of a big red herring because ultimately like he starts on the left, but like he, that's not where he's been playing. I don't think it matters anymore where he plays either. Um, I think like Jack says, he's been really vocal about how he's really enjoying the position that he's playing in, this central area. But I think he can be his I mean, he's backing it up now. I know that last season he he made a a comment at some point in the season saying that he'd like to play more centrally. But this season he's he's made that his own. And I'm really impressed by kind of the way that he's leading the team at the moment as well. He's, He's very quietly just pulling everything together. And I think one thing that I was never too sure of was whether he could really be the driving, driving force behind that team. So he's just been amazing, hasn't he? And, he could play on the left if, if we really needed him to, but for some reason, Guardiola now plays left wing, so who knows? Yeah, get a centre-half to do it instead. That's the <laughs> that, that's the way it works. A centre-half in his first season in yeah. the Premier League. Yeah, you, just, you just play on the left wing, mate. <laughs> I was doing something on the, on him on Tuesday as like a follow-up to the to the match, and just going back to that stats, David, the, 
looked at the the amount of minutes he's played for the club now, and he's averaging a goal or an assist every 120 minutes, which I think is not a bad start to his career, and that number is only going to get lower. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean you look at, at the data. I mean, um, Adam from Stat City tweeted uh, after the game, he scored 74 goals for City now. That's level with Carlos Tevez. It's more than Edin Dzeko. It's actually more than Erling Haaland as well. He's overtaken Haaland again, but he'll obviously, when he scores again, he'll keep overtaking. They'll, they'll probably keep overtaking each other this season. Will he ever um, score again? Well, I don't know. We'll come on to that a bit later on. Um, he's one goal, Foden's one goal away from matching his total from last season. Um, and Opta tweeted, he's got eight goal involvements, uh, four goals, four assists in his last six games. He's just he's just absolutely the key man in front of goal right now, isn't he? The third the third goal on Monday night reminded me of Istanbul a little bit. You know the um The turn. Yeah, I mean that would have been one of the all time great Champions League final goals, I think, if that if that had gone in. I still think about sort- it. I still think <laughs> about it now. I, I, like just why couldn't you just finish it? Because that, that's that's going that's in all the compilations after that. I was I was I was at my seat when that when he <laughs> I was like, oh my God, he's not going through, is he? Um, but the way he sort of approached the box was exactly the same as that particular moment against Inter. And he he's just so calm and you knew he'd score. And I think he's I think he's improved his composure in and around the box this year. Like the um Guardiola made a reference to um his assist for Rodri last week against Burnley. Mm-hmm where he waited and waited and waited for the right pass and then played it in and it goes in. Um, Guardiola was basically saying that maybe last year he'd have been one-on-one against the defender, been doubled up eventually and then tried to go around and maybe have lost it. But he sort of understands what he needs to do now, which is just, you know, his progression is um, can only be encouraging. And as Adam said, he's like taking games by the scruff of the neck. And I've noticed that he's... He's pulling players in now and he's like barking orders. Not like majorly, not like a Ruben Diaz, but he is like moving people around and saying, no, you go there and cover that. And Which for a 23-year-old, I know he's been around for ages, but it's quite impressive really. Yeah, it's starting to. It's 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 almost like Guardiola's got his hooks into him over the last few years, and it's kind of it's all kind of coming to the surface now, isn't it? Um, Adam, how crucial has Foden been? I mean, you look at, at the away games that I referenced in the in the introduction there. Uh, Brentford, they concede the first goal. Foden turns it around with a hat trick. Uh, Newcastle, I, I can't remember if he. I don't think he scored at Newcastle, but he was instrumental in in turning that deficit into into a win. Um, Everton as well, you know, another another game they were losing at half time. Luton they were losing at half time. He was key in both of those, getting them to to the um, the victory. Even like Sheffield United when they when uh, they weren't losing in that one at any point, but they had that setback towards the end, and he was still at the forefront of all the all the good stuff City were doing. Uh, cliche alarm, but he is he is probably the first name on the team sheet, isn't he? And the I think without him we look really stodgy. I think. On the ball in midfield, there's there's not a lot of that spark without him in the team. And I'd even say that when De Bruyne is playing without Foden as well, that we can look a little bit slow. And it's that half turn that he's got. And often he'll lose the ball trying to play in the striker, but he just offers so much. And I think without him this season, we really would have struggled for goals. You say before about Haaland being out for so long, but Foden's really taken on being the goal scorer in the team and even now and I think this just goes back to the last couple of years 
when he's taken his shot, I think, nah, he's, he's scuffed that. Or he's, he's not. <laughs> Everything's going in, and I think that makes the difference. And when we were at the uh, the game against Burnley last week, my cousin made a good point at half time. It seems with Foden in every game, and I don't know if this is just uh, us not noticing something, but it takes him about half an hour in every single game to really find the space and find his feet. But for, for the last hour of every game, for the past couple of months, he's been just unbelievable. And I'm really enjoying seeing Pep's really smug face about it. He, <laughs> he knows now, doesn't he? He's, he's got that little look on his face where he's like, yeah, he's the player that I wanted now. Yeah. It's it's funny you say that as well because um, just on his hat trick, Jack, um, all the way through each one of those goals, the first one I thought, oh, he's taking too long over this, and then he finishes it. The second one I thought, the header, oh, he's not connected well enough with this, and then it finds the bottom corner. And then the third one I was like, oh, he's taking too many touches, what's he doing? <laughs> and then he just rolls it in. Yeah, it's as if he knows best, isn't it? Yeah, um, funny that. <laughs> the, the header was, yeah. I mean, if he'd actually got a proper connection on the header, the keeper probably saves it, particularly in the, uh, the form he was in on on Monday night. I, uh, as soon as that went in, I was a bit like, I can't remember the last time he scored a header. So I had a look and his only other Premier League header was the diving header against Spurs. His first that is, that his first goal. one. Yeah, that's the first yeah. one, wasn't it? And then he scored a header against Real Madrid in the um, Champions League. He's only ever scored three. Um, so if he's starting to score those as well, then you like, bit scary isn't it <laughs> yeah unstoppable fella yeah um i mean jack you also mentioned before about um uh, kind of his flourished in de bruyne's absence in the last few weeks he's starting to see him flourish in de bruyne's presence as well yeah they, I, I think a lot of us have always argued that they can play together and play together in quite close proximity on a on the pitch um yeah you want your brightest minds playing alongside each other don't you and i, I don't think Anyone is more creative than those two. And it is, yeah, Monday night was probably quite instructive on how they're going to play now. Um, and as obviously there's a knock on effect there for, for Grealish and Doku. Um, but yeah, the, the main the main problem Guardiola has got is, is finding a system to get the best out of all these amazing attacking players. And Monday seemed like it was a, yeah, a good sort of first step in finding the right formula after De Bruyne and Haaland have both come back. Yeah. Adam, for you, when you when you watch uh, the amount of attacking talent that Guardiola kind of shoehorned into that team on Monday night, it must just be exciting getting getting ready to go to games again now. It is, yeah. He's he's really going for games, isn't he? And I, I think that might explain why we keep going behind well, that and the really, really daft defending. Yeah. But I think the one player who's at risk of all this is Alvarez. I think... De Bruyne and Foden worked really well together, but you did see in the uh, in the Brentford game itself, you saw Alvarez trying to make the same sort of movements and trying to go for the same balls and stuff. And I, I think he's the one who's, who's most at risk here. But De Bruyne and Foden can play together and play together really well. And I think as De Bruyne drops deeper and deeper, as he, he seems to do every season, um, and all, almost plays on the right sometimes, they do work really well together and they both offer something completely different. Anyway, I don't think they're that similar a player. I think De Bruyne is the one who's who's always finding the pass and he's the best in the world at it. And you've got Foden constantly on the half turn trying to find the space. And then you've got Haaland just being a nuisance and letting those two run the game in behind him. So I think it works really well. 
Yeah, Jack, you you talked about um, kind of fitting all the players in as well, um, and like the, in terms of a performance, the the Brentford game probably shows how you do it. Um, and I, I kind of wonder if when kind of even if you kind of have that set up with those same players in those same positions, like if next week you know Foden's a bit quiet, it might be Bernardo that is the one that everyone focuses on because he's the one that runs the game instead. And I just wonder mm-hmm. if it if it kind of like shares the responsibility around. Well, yeah, I mean that's the beauty of having such amazing players, isn't it? That Foden's not going to be a nine out of ten every week. Um, and Silva, I thought Silva was quiet on Monday. Mm. Didn't really get into the game at all. Um, but that probably so, helped. That probably helped Foden in many ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's. Um, but I think Adam. I think Adam's right. It, it, Alvarez is always the one that we talk about, isn't he? That is he going to? Is he the one that's going to be the the one that drops out? And amazingly, he never seems to be. Well, I was, I was going to say, he's not, he's, he's not allowed to rest, is he? That's the thing. <laughs> no, I think he's... Uh, as he started every... I think he started every league game this yeah. season. Um, but, the, yeah, I mean, that's... Him making way for for either um, Doku or, or Grealish or maybe a, maybe a Kovacic, I suppose. It seems the most logical sort of way this is going to go. But from recent history... Well, recent history would suggest that Alvarez is going to play every, <laughs> going to play every game. He's going to fit people around him <laughs> do, for whatever. Do I like. I don't really. He's obviously a superb player, but I don't see how he sort of fits in. I thought he had. I thought he had a pretty poor game against Brentford on the ball because his finishing is exceptional. His first touch sometimes sometimes is appalling, but. Against Brentford, he could have had a hat-trick of goals from outside the box. And I do wonder sometimes if Pep thinks that he offers something a little bit different. He's obviously a very good finisher, but his shooting from distance can be really effective as well. And I I wonder against teams like Brentford, who are playing that, I hate saying low block, but that really, really deep Deep block against us. (laughs) Yeah, really deep block. I wonder if he just thinks he offers a different way of opening teams up, but... He's he's such a strange player, Alvarez. His goals, he's what one behind Haaland or something this season. He's obviously got the goals in him, but his first touch for me is it can be really, really quite annoying at times. So strange player. Yeah, he's in there for off off the ball as well, isn't he? I think he's very sort of oh, he runs distant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like go go back to Fulham away last season. They were having. You know they really need to win that game. That was in April, I think, was it? Yeah. Um, they could, they just considered an equaliser and they were struggling a bit. Weren't they, they were really struggling. Yeah, it was a tough game that. Um, and then as you know, as Adams alluded to, gets the ball twenty five yards out, pings it top corner. They win the game. Thanks very much. So he he can he does have that little bit of X factor, but you never know when it's going to arrive. Yeah. What about Haaland then, Adam? Because um, a, a big part of this game, uh, it was suggested afterwards that Haaland being double marked uh, basically gave De Bruyne, Foden, Bernardo a lot of space to operate in. Um, but there was a moment Haaland was played clean through by uh, well by a Brentford error, and he just didn't finish it. And it's the sort of chance you expect him to finish. Yeah, it feels like that was his first chance back though, doesn't it? Um, since his injury, it feels like that was the big first one where. Last season, even last season, he missed quite a few of those. Mm. He's, he's not always brilliant in one-on-ones. Um, he he should have scored, but for, was it Ethan Pinnock, who got an amazing block in, uh, where he, he swivelled with his right foot 
uh, that that's going in. So that would have gone in. I think there's there's a pro and a con to the way City were playing with him. The pro, obviously, is he brings other players into the game. If he's double-marked, you've got Bernardo, Alvarez, De Bruyne, Foden, and one of those is going to pick it up and take the game to Brentford. But also, we can't always do that because you waste one of the best goal scorers the Premier League's ever seen. So I think the key thing with Haaland is the the start of last season, he wasn't getting enough touches and people were going on about it all the time. And I felt the Brentford game was a bit of that and that can be really frustrating. But if he puts the one in on his right foot that Ethan Pinnock gets in the way of, that's going in the bottom corner. That one's in. I wonder if that's the confidence finder. And then for the one-on-one, he's clean through. He knows he's already got one. He gets another. He's not great at one-on-ones, which is wild to say he scored 50-odd goals last season. But he will be fine. We just have to... Like, it's really difficult because you've got to play to his strengths, but that's difficult for the way that City play. Mm. He'll he'll score goals. He'll miss one and score the next four. So I'm not worried. And he he looks fit. He might not be fully match fit, but he looked fit. He was running hard. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of him, De Bruyne and Bernardo taking it in turns to properly charge down the keeper. So he'll be fine. It's just slightly concerning sometimes, but... I mean, we're we're really like picking at things here. If we're picking at Haaland's finishing, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, the, the other side of this, Jack, is um, like he has scored so many goals, so he, like it's so clear what he offers. But there's there's still something a bit frustrating when he's through one on one and just doesn't find the net. Yeah, that's not your expectations though, because you expect him to score every single time every, he goes every chance. Yeah, I th- to be honest, I thought he was a good save by the keeper. I don't think Haaland has done a massive amount wrong, really, because um, he. He flung he, the keeper flung his right leg at it. Mm. It wasn't it wouldn't just hit him. Um, yeah, I mean, like Burnley was a bit of a free hit when he came on, wasn't it? And he was a bit like a raging bull, and there was that amusing air kick and genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Not yeah, I mean, but again, that's like it's funnier because he's done it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I just, I thought he I thought he did all right on Monday. I occupying defenders and he did a lot of like old-fashioned centre-forward work that allowed the others behind him to go and do their thing. So, you know, he's not going to score as many goals this season. Um, teams have found other ways of, of getting stuck into him, but he will... I was saying to uh, Pukowski on Monday that if he has a really bad end to the season, Haaland, he'll still end up with 20 Premier League goals. <laughs> Well, um, it's kind of... Is he still the Premier League's leading scorer despite having been out for... Yeah, he's joint with, yeah, he's joint Salah. with Salah. Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? Because he, he didn't even have the greatest start to the season, did he? Really. By his mad standards from last year, he still scores goals. I think he'll... I, I think the thing with having him in the team is when, we, when he wasn't playing, defences are going to have a, a much easier time of it physically and being dragged about. When he is playing, teams don't want to play against him. However, he is in form or not in form. He'll still score goals. And I really do fancy him at weekend against Everton. Yeah, I did wonder if, um, while he was out, Jack, if it kind of suited City to go back to that sort of old-style City without having to work out a way to play with him. And then the Brentford game comes along and they're kind of like, no, we, this is the shape we can do it with him. And it just kind of it, it kind of seems like City have two modes there where they can just do it one way with him and one way without him. Yeah, but I also think the, the stodginess before the Club World Cup, like they were missing a lot of players. Like the, 
De Bruyne, I know De Bruyne didn't play earlier in the season when they when they were winning every week, but sometimes it just got a bit. It felt a little bit stale in moments, even though the draws that they got in the Premier League, particularly Liverpool, Spurs, Palace, they should have won those games. Mm. But they weren't like wasn't top gear, was it? And I don't think I don't think that was necessarily down to the shape. I think it was just sort of a bit of bad luck here and there. Like you go back to the Liverpool game and the, and the goal that sh- probably should have been given, in my view, um, would have won on the game. And I, I just think it was one of those periods, really. I don't think it was down to much else other than the fact that things weren't going in and things weren't dropping. And it just felt a bit like, ugh, nothing's... Nothing's really happening. Yeah, and then they uh, they go on that run. I mentioned it in the intro. They go on that run of four wins in 11 games, and yet still somehow they come out the side of the Brentford game where they win the game and now they're top of the league. And it's kind of like... like I, I, that's, I, I do struggle sometimes when I see people talking about how inevitable it is that City will do it. I do I do think it's... Uh, I don't think it gives Guardiola and the players the credit that they have that they deserve for what they've achieved well, over the, the season, last few months. The season's following the same pattern as every other season under Pep, hasn't it? It's yeah. Like they're finished before Christmas... Uh, and you know, busted flush before Christmas, and then by the end of January, end of February, the top of the league, and everyone goes, "Oh well, that was inevitable, wasn't it?" And it's like, "Well, pick a lane." Yeah, right? <laughs> it can't be both, can it? Think of those dynamic teammates who got the job done. City have had some great partnerships down the years. Whether it's De Bruyne and Haaland, Dunn and Distan, or Rosler and Walsh. What about those perfect teammates when it comes to growing your business, though? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioneering autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever or whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the USA, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash blue moon. That's all in lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash blue moon to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash blue moon. Ad-free episodes are available on Patreon. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Adam, let's uh, let's talk about a few other individuals as well, um, because uh, I mean, Jack said before that Foden was um, kind of doing a bit more talking and, and a bit more ordering around, but not quite to Diaz levels. Um, Diaz seems to be back in that mode of um, this block's going to look good on Instagram, isn't it? Yeah, he's got his new haircut. He's he's throwing in blocks again and celebrating tackles. I still think there's something fundamentally wrong with the 
the whole defensive system at the minute. But I'm glad that he's in that kind of form where he's going to be posting his topless pictures and saying, oh, uh, we'll fight to the end and giving it all <laughs> that kind of stuff. I'd rather Diaz be in that that Instagrammy mode than yeah. The emojis are going to get a, a right rinsing in the next few weeks. Absolutely, give me those bicep emojis because some of the garbage he was thrown in earlier in the season. I, I mean, I'd rather this Diaz than that one. So he, the block was very, very good, and it was very Diaz. And I just hope that he. I think the thing at the minute is you don't really know which back four is going to start. At the end of last season, you knew the defensive system pretty well um pep is playing roulette with the back four isn't he and it's it's difficult really and it must be difficult for the the defenders themselves to bed in with the other ones diaz and stones for for a large part of the last few years were excellent as a two and then we went to that wild system at the end of last year and they worked really well together there's there just doesn't seem to be many partnerships at the minute at the back and i think that's a concern but i was impressed with him um, he did give it away, though, in order to make that block. He, yeah, but he does, he does that on purpose, I swear, honestly. <laughs> he he gives something away or just boots it up in the air just so he can clear it again. But yeah. again, Watch, watch this, yeah. Yeah, I don't mind. As long as he doesn't cock it up, I don't mind. Um, yeah, they, I mean, their goal, good God. We'll, I'm, we'll get on to that, but Jesus. He, uh, what was he, like, first 10 minutes? Uh, like, where was he? Like, what was he doing, mm. Diaz? He just seemed like he was on a different planet. Doing his hair. It's very strange. Maybe he's thinking about his ex-girlfriend being on Love Island. <laughs> we, pro- we all would, I suppose, but yes. Yeah. He- he's such a weird character, isn't he? He's- he gives it the-, the bigger and we love him for it. And when it's going well, it's going really well. When it's going badly, he just looks completely anonymous. Like you say, he's just, where is he? Which is really odd. Yeah, I think with the um, I think with the back, the back four is going to follow... It's like I was saying before about the season following similar patterns. I, Stones, when Stones gets back and properly fit, then it'll be him and Diaz. And then we're all, we're now starting to see Nathan Ake emerging again as he gets beyond Christmas, who seems to be playing really well. So you would assume that Ake then forces his way back in. So I wouldn't be surprised in a month's time if the go-to is Walker, Diaz, Stones and, and Ake. And then you go... They're now settled, and this is how we're going to finish the season. Akanji, though, like he's he's always been Guardiola's go-to guy. Yeah, but I like when they're all when they're all at it. Like, who's your who is your four? Is Akanji mm. in it? I don't. I don't know. It's tricky as well because I mean I, I wanted to talk about uh, Guardiola a little bit as well, Jack, because uh, we mentioned before that he's kind of operating down the left flank. Um, and he, in, in the final third, for sure, he de- I think he definitely offers a lot more than Nathan Ake does. But Nathan Ake offers a lot more kind of on the cover and his ability to get back and, and kind of sweep things up. And you look at the the goal that Brentford scored, like when when Ake does when Ake gets moved out of the way by by Ivan Tony for that, that mm. initial header, like if it was the other way round, I might have expected Ake to be kind of sweeping yeah. up and, and covering a bit more than Guardiola was. Yeah, I was when I watched the replay. I was looking at the. Um, I was more looking at Diaz and Rodri actually, but I, I hadn't thought of because they were probably one of them should have picked up um, Mope. Mm. Um, but I, yeah, I wasn't really looking at Cavadio. But you're right because it sort of had that trajectory where you know you just step in at a 45 degree angle and, and nick the ball. Yeah, you're right. You're right, and that's kind of why I was why I think Ake will be in that 
left back position towards the end of the season when every game becomes a bit more on a knife edge and the playing better teams in the Champions League mm. that can really hurt you. It's, it's the knock-on effect. I think he will revert to Ake at that, at that point. It's the knock-on effect of that, though, that Foden then has to stay wide left. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I, I wouldn't say so. Um, you've seen Ake get forward before, like the goal against Arsenal last year in the in the cup. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't. It depends whether Monday. It depends whether Monday is going to be the blueprint moving forward or yeah, not. Yeah. Um, I, but I think on, I know Guardiola got four. I just think on Monday they just like went sod it. We're not bothered about the left hand side. Like you could have played Ake out there, no problem. Yeah. But I think, but that's you don't know whether that is going to be the blueprint or not. That's the yeah, be interesting to see how that works itself out over yeah. the next few weeks. That's that's both the genius and the curse of Pep, of covering a Pep Guardiola team, isn't it? Is that you could see the starting lineup and it could be any number of things. So yeah, uh, yeah. I don't um, have to do I don't have to do predicted teams anymore for the paper, which is absolutely brilliant. God godsend that, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, Adam Edison was um, in. Interesting form, let's say. A um, bit rocky at times with the uh, the passes out from the back in the first half. And then there was the incident at 3-1. Um, what what did you make of him? Uh, I think he was bored. Um, <laughs> that's always the answer, though. That's been the answer for however long he's been here, isn't it? Uh, he, he just gets bored, doesn't he? And just does weird things. I I don't think... he's He's the most insane goalkeeper on the planet, though, isn't he? I mean... I, I don't think there's an answer. There isn't an answer for what Edison does. I, loved, I him, loved on the commentary that they uh, that of of the moment when he came out and flattened everybody. Uh, the um, the co commentator said, oh, "Well, the, 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 the VAR will have a look at this." And I was like, "Well, it can have a look all it wants. It won't find a penalty. <laughs> it, <laughs> it wasn't it was even barely, in the box." Yeah, no, he just he's he's just a very strange character. But you wouldn't change him for the world, would you? For for this city team, I also think. Um, on a, a more poignant point for Edison, I think he's been five, ten times better this this season, shot stopping wise. I think uh, Ortega has come in and actually pushed him in in some regards on to be a better goalkeeper. His distribution's still brilliant, but he's been a better all round goalkeeper. There's been less of this wild coming out, flying headers, and booting the ball up in the air. There's been a lot less of that, but. It's, it's good fun, isn't it? And I'd rather he, he does that at 3-1 than at 1-1. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. And I, I, I do wonder if part of it is is the way that Brentford play as well, is that yeah. Brent, Brentford's style was, like, ultimately, we've got the ball, get them under pressure. And like I know Edison doesn't really succumb to pressure as much as, as other players do, but there are times, aren't there, when he is pressed and he, and he does need to move it on quickly and it, it kind of, like, the pass... I mean, the the one I think of is the one where he tried to chip it to Walker, but just chipped it over his head. And it's just like those moments can happen. Yeah, he's he's not perfect. He he's just great, though. He's great for this system. He's been. I, I was asked the other day about the the best City eleven of all time. That wonderful question that's always impossible to answer. And he, in my lifetime, he's the goalkeeper, isn't he? So it's yeah. I, I think we could talk forever about. Uh, the weird and wonderful world of Edison, but we'd never know the answer. You could ask Edison, what was he doing in any of those moments? He'd say, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Who was your team, Adam? Just, oh, um, 
God, oh, this is this is this is a predicted eleven to a whole new level this, now. <laughs> this is this is awful. Um, I put is it, and in. is it in your lifetime? It's a, yeah, it's got to be players okay. that you've seen. Uh, Edison went in. Uh, right back was Kyle Walker. I had about three players per position. I had Company and Stones as my my centre halves. Fair. Um, left back. There's I didn't been, really. I, I put it to you that, that, that there's been no good left back in our lifetime. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't think we've had an out and out left back who I've enjoyed. Um, although I, I was a big Kolarov fan, he wasn't great at football or at being a left back, but he he could kick a ball really hard. Nicholas um, Jensen, Ben Thatcher will no, see you outside. No, I'm, I'm not going near Ben. Yeah, Thatcher. he won't, he won't see me outside. Me. I'm, I'm going the other way. Yeah, <laughs> he'll kill me. He could go Tiato if we we really wanted to plough that for him. Um, I can't remember who my left back was. My midfield three. Uh, Clichy. Uh, Clichy was was good enough. Or do we just be Terry Phelan? Or do we just go full pep and stick a centre half out there? I could put Destan out there. I'm going to put Destan out there. <laughs> All right, fine, yeah. Um, and then you've either got Fernandinho or Rodri. Toss a coin. Um, well, toss it then. I, uh, <laughs> don't don't make me do that, Jack. That's right. <laughs> Um, that's like picking your favourite kid. I don't have kids, so that's pointless. Uh, who else was in there? Yaya Torre made it in because being my favourite player, he went in. Um, and then I had Kevin De Bruyne there. I had David Silver on the left because you couldn't leave him out. We're quickly running out of positions here, aren't we? Mm. Aguero up top because you've got to. And then there's one position left on the right. David Mooney, who is it? Um, I think you're picking Raheem Sterling. I am picking Raheem Sterling. There you go. There we go. Adam Keeler yeah. of City 11 in conjunction with Garth Crooks. <laughs> yeah, Garth. It's so all over the place. Um, no, it was Sterling and Sean Wright Phillips can have a fight to the death for that position. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so, uh, that, sorry. Don't know how we got, but there we go. Yeah. Jack, I'm not going to make you do it. Don't worry. Um, but, can we have a uh, Blackpool 11? <laughs> God, I wouldn't even be able to do that, I don't think. Can I be that <laughs> <laughs> oh god yes yeah, yeah um just a final thought on the uh on the brentford game um obviously there was the the incident with uh kyle walker and neil mope and uh jack given everything that's happened over the last kind of few weeks and months um ultimately kyle walker is going to need a thicker skin than that isn't he yeah he does but he's not going to come up against too many individuals with the same sort of personality as neil mope um on the flip side like mope's got a uh Got a history of really winding people up, yeah. Um, and maybe I don't know. Some people would argue that he crossed the line if he's mentioned mentioned his kids. Other people will say Walker's brought it on himself. Um, not my position to have a view either way, but it's yeah, he's going to expect it. He's going to have to ex- expect that sort yeah. of stuff. In, um, ter- in terms of his performance, though, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I thought he's. I think he's improved over the last couple of weeks actually um, playing a bit better because he's I don't think he's been great this season really sort of been in, in and out a little bit in performance wise um, which has only only been amplified by the fact he's played every week hasn't he I mean I know Lewis Lewis got a start last, last week but it, Lewis hasn't really had a sniff in that right back position all season um, so the fact that he's been I don't know like 6 out of 10 most of the year just becomes more obvious when he's on the team sheet um, every week, and maybe the I don't know. He's obviously, taking on extra responsibilities with the with the with the armband as well. I don't know whether that's had a had a knock on effect. But obviously, the private life stuff just doesn't doesn't help um, 
but he is the sort of character that thrives on blocking things out, I suppose. Um, and now it's all out in the not all out in the open. He'll, he'll feel he's got, rightly or wrongly, he'll feel like he's got something to prove. Yeah. Adam, it, it does feel though that he's uh, he has got a lot to block out here, and it, it's one of those things where you know you go to you go to an away game with you know where the fans are right on top of the pitch, and he's he's going to cop for some flack, isn't he? Yeah, of course he is. Uh, as Jack says, though, Mope is a different animal for that kind of stuff, isn't he? So he's going to get it bad all season off the fans, but you'd expect not so off the players. Um, he's just going to have to pull himself together and get through it, though. He did bring a lot of it on himself by doing a front page interview with the Sun. So he's going to have to suck it up a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh, the 15 days between Monday's win at Brentford and the reverse fixture at the Etihad is the shortest time City have ever had between two games against the same opponent in the Premier League. With the help of Adam Carter from StatCity.co.uk, I've been digging through the history books to look at all the other times there was less than a month between meetings with one team. Before we begin, let's set some ground rules. All the games that we're going to talk about happened with less than a month between them. We're not including cup games and we're defining a month as 31 days. The games with Brentford then this season set a new record with just 15 days between them. The previous record was set last season. We were lucky today, honestly. I didn't expect a lot of time to come back against Tottenham. They would say, what do you do? It's football, my friend. It's football. Sometimes you don't know why we come back. I was 2-3 saying, myself. We're winning 3-2 after, after who we are. Yeah, it's happened. That's Guardiola speaking after the first of the two ties with Spurs, where City came back from 2-0 down at half-time to win 4-2. It's a game that's possibly better remembered for this. I want a reaction for all the club, all organisation, not just the players, the staff and everyone. Happy flowers, team. Happy flowers, organisation. Ah, it's good, good. No, I don't want to be happy flower. I want to beat Arsenal. That match had originally been scheduled for October 2022, but was moved because of the Queen's death. And it meant that 17 days later, City met Spurs again, this time losing 1-0 in North London. After, you know, in a mistake we have done two weeks ago, today we'll repeat again. Of course you have to do it, but always you have to minimise, and sometimes it's not possible. Unfortunately it's happened, and after it's more difficult against the Spurs, two weeks ago we were able to come back with a more difficult result, like 0-1. But of course the stadium and everything is completely different and there was a lot of interruptions in the second half and it was more difficult. It's always been the case that reverse fixtures could be scheduled in close proximity. In City's first Premier League season, they lost to Middlesbrough at Ayrson Park in the August in 1992 and then, just 24 days later, they lost to them again at Main Road. That's the only occasion where City have played the same team within a month in the Premier League and been beaten home and away. By contrast, City have taken maximum points on four occasions. Manuel Pellegrini's side did it to Sunderland, winning 4-1 at the Stadium of Light and then 3-2 at the Etihad in the space of 29 days in the 2014-15 season. And the year before, they did the same to Swansea. Those games were 31 days apart. Very pleased because I think that we played against a very difficult team. Swansea is a team that plays very well football away and, uh, and here at home. So to beat them here in their stadium is very important for us. That was Pellegrini speaking after the 3-2 win at the Liberty Stadium on New Year's Day in 2014. His side had previously beaten Swansea 3-0 at the Etihad on the 1st of December. It'll come as no surprise that Guardiola is the other City manager with six points on our list. He did it first to Newcastle. If we analyze 90 minutes, we were much, much better. 
we create enough chances in the first half, even the second half in the beginning. It's not easy to maintain our focus in that period because everybody's in holidays, everybody's not uh, the party at home and, uh, and to be focused after 18, 70 games in a row is not easy and we did it. That was after a 1-0 win at St James's Park in December 2017. Just 24 days later, they beat Newcastle again, 3-1 this time at the Etihad. Now three points are so important for us after our defeat in Anfield. It's important to avoid two bad results in a row, and we did it, and that's why we are satisfied. Then, the very next time there was less than a month between reverse fixtures, Guardiola got maximum points again. There were 23 days between City's 2-0 win over Sheffield United in December 2019 and their 1-0 victory at Bramall Lane in January 2020. It's a difficult place to come. Everybody knows it. Before they came to Etihad Stadium three weeks ago, they lose one game away so at home they are strong we knew it so they attack with a lot of people in the sides and a lot of people in the final third in the TR box and uh, yeah we concede few concede one clear chance in the second half but not much of that perhaps a little surprisingly there are only three managers on our list to have won one of the two games when the fixtures come in such close proximity Pellegrini and Guardiola are obviously two of them. The third is Roberto Mancini. There were 25 days between his side beating Aston Villa 4-0 at Eastlands in December 2010 and then losing 1-0 at Villa Park in January 2011. That means that Mancini didn't go unbeaten across two games against the same team in quick succession though. Only one manager can join Guardiola and Pellegrini in doing that, Joe Royal. Steve Howey scored City's equaliser at Derby in the second of those two games. I was normally at Newcastle a kind of decoy run, whereas when we had players like Kevin Horlock and Mark Kennedy who could put in a fantastic ball with a left foot, they would aim for me. I'd, I'd basically sort of say, listen, I'd be in this area, so put it in that area and I'll try and get amongst it. And ultimately, you know, th- their quality helped me score them goals because if it wasn't for their fantastic balls in the box, I wouldn't be able to score them. That game finished 1-1 at Pride Park in January 2001. 25 days earlier, City had played out a goalless draw with the Rams at Main Road. Howie remembers it being a difficult period. You're coming up November, December time and obviously you've got a lot of games in the Christmas period. And it is like week in, week out, you're playing against top, top players. You know, Joe and, and Willie Donnie, Ace Hartford and people like that tried their absolute best and they were brilliant. But ultimately, they can only do, do so much and it's up to us on the pitch. And clearly, just obviously, we, we weren't good enough. Speaking of not being good enough, nobody will be shocked to hear that Stuart Pearce didn't manage a win when the fixtures sent him home and away to Bolton in the space of 21 days. That was in his final season, the only time it happened during his reign, and they lost 2-0 at Eastlands and drew 0-0 at the Reebok. Kevin Keegan didn't fare any better either in the two occasions he was given a similar schedule. Richard Dunn's own goal gifted West Brom a late equaliser in a one-all draw in December 2004. You might remember that as the game where they scored without having had a shot on target. And then City lost 2-0 at the Hawthorns 25 days later. And when Keegan's side faced Charlton home and away inside 28 days in autumn 2002, only a late comeback at the Valley rescued a point in a 2-all draw following a 1-0 loss at Main Road. It could have been a win though had City been given a late penalty. Here's Keegan and Charlton boss Alan Kirbishley speaking to ITV after that second game. Our fans, 4,000 of them thought it was a penalty. They had a good view, didn't they? Yeah, they had the best view. You'll have to go and interview them. Uh, They won't get fined, will they? If they'd have got the penalty and scored against us and beat us 3-2, then uh, 
then you could say I'll be pig sick in here. I mean, I'm a little bit down, obviously, but I'm so pleased with what they've done. So, including this season's matches against Brentford, that makes 12 times in the Premier League where City have played the same team home and away in the space of a month. In more recent seasons, it's only happened because of rearranged games, but in years gone by, it's just been a quirk of the fixture list. I'm Carlo Nash, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. I look there at the games where City have played the same opponent really quickly in the league. Um, now it's time to look ahead to the games with Everton and Copenhagen. Um, Adam, it certainly feels like City are building up a bit of a head of steam at the moment. So uh, how do they make sure that continues this weekend? By beating Everton would be a start. No, <clears throat> I think I'm, I'm sat here silently applauding. What an answer! That's exactly the sort of thing sorry, I said. That, that was, <laughs> That's exactly what I do, mate. That was really. Um, sorry, Mooney. Um, no, no, see, don't I, be. Don't no, be. see, I said that to you because I thought that's exactly what Jack would say. <laughs> oh, there you go. You got both of us, both of us being really glum. Um, it's not my. It's gen- not my job to write interesting questions. <laughs> gen- gen- genuine answer is beat Everton because I think it's going to be a really grim game a bit of a rainy Saturday lunchtime kickoff they've got the backs up a little bit after that late equaliser against Spurs City are on a good roll Dyche is going to make it really stodgy and difficult and horrible for everyone ideally an early goal on Saturday would be lovely mm. settle everything down just get over the line I really don't care how we play on Saturday just win the game get out of there and uh, focus on the the much tougher fixtures on paper coming up. Yeah, given um, Brentford's approach, Jack, and uh, given what Everton are likely to do, is there much that needs altering from Monday night? Do you think? Mm, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, just going back to Adam's Adam's point um, about the R twelve kickoff, I think press conference bingo tomorrow will be that we need the fans tomorrow. I think he's definitely, definitely going to say that on Friday. Because um, everyone hates the hates the early kickoffs, don't they? And they're always like they're just so dry. Like no one's up for it at all, are they? Not. And this isn't just at City. This is like across the league. Like that particular slot is awful most of the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think with the the team would be largely the same. I would have thought. Um, I mean, there is an argument that maybe. Because a Dyche team is obviously going to sit exceptionally deep. Um, so maybe you want Doku to have a run at them, maybe. I was wondering um, if, if if Grealish or Doku might come in just to, to add a little bit more um, kind of thrust. But Grealish is, is a lot more kind of uh, wide structure rather than uh, like yeah. the impetus, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Doku, yeah. I would probably go Doku just because of the sort of, he can create something from nothing, can he? And, from a standing start and it can knock teams off balance a little bit, like his style of play. So maybe he's, maybe he's a good shout, but then there is a, there is an argument for just going same again. Cause they were, they were really, really good on Monday night. They could have scored, I mean, seven, eight, nine, they could have scored on Monday night really. Yeah. Is there, just quickly, Jack, is there um, any reason why Grealish hasn't been around lately? He's just barely been in the team. I know he was ill for Newcastle and is, is it just that he's not had his, his place back after being ill? Yeah, he's not. Um, 
he's just not been able to get back in. I mean, the, the Newcastle, I'm not really sure why he was on the bench at Newcastle because he was very, very unwell um, and was never going to come on. So I'm not really sure why he made the trip, to be honest. And then there's been three games since then, I think. Yeah. Um, and they're playing quite well and he's not been able to get back in. But I mean, it's going to be... I mean, Grealish is a wider conversation, really, um, particularly in light of, you know, their interests, well, more than interest in, in Savio, uh, who has played exclusively as a left winger for Girona this season. So you're thinking, right, if he's coming in and they see him as a someone who is ready for the first team, which has not been disclosed yet, whether he will be first team or he might go out on loan again. But if he is for first team, where do like genuinely where does that leave Grealish? Yeah, Doku's both left and right side favouring the left side. Well, Do- I mean Doku's Doku's short time at City has followed his, his followed the same pattern as his, his whole career. He was bought as a right winger, and then within six weeks he became a left winger, which has happened everywhere he's been. Um, so unless they retrain him as a as a right winger, you would expect that he, he then continues out on the left. Grealish has never been given the responsibility to play in the middle or like off centre to the left hand side in that in that system. So yeah, so I don't I don't know I don't know what the future holds for him. Mm. I mean um, there's a bit of the you know, I've taken a few steps ahead there really because we don't know what's happening with Savio, but it is definitely one to keep an eye on. Yeah, a few steps ahead as well because it's Everton this weekend. So uh and like Savio's not available for that. So um there we go. Um Adam, for the other kind of players that are um, involved, uh, obviously De Bruyne's back from a, a long injury. He started a couple of games on the bounce now. Is it a lot to keep asking him to start at the moment? Maybe maybe he's one that, that um, you know, given that the Champions League is back now and that the games are starting to come a bit quicker than they have been previously, is he might need to be managed a bit more. Maybe, but he played 90 minutes, didn't he, in the week, which I thought was pretty big. Uh, I never expected him to play ni- a full 90 so soon and in such a high intensity game as well. Um, I, I can see him starting again though. I don't think he'll play 90 again with Copenhagen in mind because I, I'm pretty certain in Pep's mind he wants that Copenhagen tie over in midweek. He doesn't want to be sat around waiting for the uh, the next tie to come along and have to win and all the rest of it. He's going to want it done so he'll have an eye on that but I imagine De Bruyne will start again. He's finding a bit of rhythm and he, he said, didn't he, in the week, I can't remember where he said it, but that he still feels like he's not fully fit yet, fully match sharp. So, I mean, if if he's okay, please continue. Mm. Do you know when that uh, second leg with uh, Copenhagen is? is? Is it around the derby? It is. Oh, it's yeah. uh, it's between uh, the derby at home and Liverpool away. Yeah, so so um, get it if you can get it done in the first leg. Yeah. It's by no means a bad bad thing, is it? Yeah, just go and get it. Go and get it won. Um, like you, you really do want to be doing that. And I know Copenhagen caused United a lot of problems, but uh, who doesn't? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, Jack. That, yeah, yeah, Jack. Like, <laughs> um, I know that 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 all went on, but. Like let's let's be frank here. City have to beat Copenhagen. Um, it'll be embarrassing if they don't over two legs. So he'll be eyeing that up, saying, "Go and get it one." Yeah, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but he doesn't normally do that in the Champions League, though, does he, Jack? He's normally quite tight away from home in the first leg. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I'd be surprised if they do get it one on uh, on Tuesday night because 
or get the, get the tie done and dusted because Copenhagen don't lose many games at home in Europe. I can't. I should have. I should have had a proper look before I came on. So apologies. But Bayern Munich beat him earlier this season with a really late goal, and I'm sure that's the first time they've lost for at home for a good three or four years in the Champions League. Like it's a really. I remember going. It was a dead rubber last year, I think. But when we went, um, it was the, it was a night that Gomez got sent off and Mara's missed a penalty. Um, Rodri Screamer disallowed. Yes. Yeah. And Haaland not fit, but like walked up and down the touchline for the entirety of the second half, which is weird as well. Um, but I mean, it was a, it was a really close game. Uh, and I think, yeah, they have got a, they've got a really good record there. So I think he'd be, I think he'd be watchful ahead of Tuesday. I mean, he always is in he in the Champions League. He never sort of takes anything, anything for granted. Um, when we go back to that dead rubber at Leipzig a couple of years ago and he did already won the, won the group and he played the first team. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I. it might be that he, he, he goes same again because he, be, he will be worried about it. But it's, you're right in that games come in thick and fast. He's got, to, he's got to pick his moments when to make the changes. Like you look at Everton and you go, they're not in a great run of form. Maybe that's the day to read the changes. But then... Do you, risk, the, do you risk breaking the the momentum that they built? Yeah, that's the, the thing. Weeks, yeah. yeah, they've built that up, haven't they? So maybe you just want to keep that going. I don't know. It's a difficult one to balance, but he's always seemed to manage it in the past. Yeah, Adam, it's at that time of the season as well where obviously I mentioned at the start of the show, City now two points off the top with the game in hand. Um, are you starting to look at everybody else's games and kind of work out the maths of where things could go well for City or is it just a case of City get your job done because Liverpool have got Burnley at Anfield this weekend so don't get don't go getting your hopes yeah. up. I think it, it felt like that about two weeks ago but now we've got it within our sights again. It's just like keep grinding it out. For me, it's keep grinding it out until the Anfield game. I think that's where you start looking. Um, I know that Arsenal had a huge win but... I can. It's Liverpool that that still worry me a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. There's there's no thought behind that. It's just a feeling. Now, do you use a VPN? VPNs can keep you protected when you're working in public by hiding your IP address, and they allow you to use public Wi-Fi spots safely. You can also use the internet freely in places that restrict content and censor access, and you can share files safely because your connection is encrypted. It's not just about browsing safely either. With a VPN, you can access content from home while you're abroad. Don't let those paid subscriptions go to waste while you're overseas. So if you're going to miss one of City's games because you're not in the country, you can easily stream it with a VPN. If that sounds appealing, then why not try NordVPN? It's easy to use, you can connect in one click or you can turn on auto connection to do it automatically. There are more than 6,000 servers in 61 countries to join, so you can find one near you for better speed or you can connect elsewhere to browse freely. You can also get NordVPN on every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS and Linux, even your Android TV support 
supports NordVPN if you want to use it on that. One NordVPN account protects up to six devices as well, so you don't need to have separate accounts and separate subscriptions for each device in the household. If you want to try it, you can do, and you can help the Blue Moon podcast at the same time. Sign up at nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Moon, and you'll get four extra months free. You'll also have the Nord 30-day money-back guarantee, meaning you can try it, and if you're not satisfied in the first 30 days, you'll get your money back. Head over to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Moon for more details and to sign up for four extra months free. We've put the link in the episode description as well. That's nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Moon. You can listen to the show ad-free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Let's get a view on this weekend's game from the Everton perspective now. Uh, I've been speaking to Matt Jones from the Blue Room podcast to find out more about their season so far. It's been a bit of a slog. I think the team really put everything into that little spell of games we had before that Manchester City won uh, on the 27th of December. And it felt sort of like the manager and the players felt like that was the opportunity to, to really claw back those those points that we got taken off. And, and they won four games in a row. They didn't concede a goal in any of them. And, and yeah, they did an amazing job. But I think at the back of our minds, as much as we were all enjoying those wins and the way in which the team were were playing and had sort of rallied against the adversity, there's always this lingering sense in the background that given the the squad, given the the style of football, given the lack of quality in the squad, if we're being brutally honest, that there was going to be a payoff for this in a negative way a little bit further down the line. And, and that's where we are right now. Um, Decore's been out for a few weeks. Uh, Drusha Gay's been at AFCON, Anana's been injured, so we went to Fulham uh, a couple of games ago now and had one start on central midfielder in the entire squad. So yeah, it, it's one of them where it's, it's really not pretty to watch at all at the moment, even by the standards of Sean Dyche. Scoring goals is really difficult. It feels like we only really score a goal when it's a set piece and we literally force it over the line with bodies strewn all over the penalty box. Uh, but that's that's just the situation we're in at the moment and the standards of battle and scrap for everything and we're not picking up wins at the moment, but they're having a good go at it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that that you feel that way because I I, I watch as an outsider. I saw the uh, the game with uh, with Spurs at the weekend, and uh, it looked like you were unfortunate in that game. It looked like you had your moments where where you were on top and you could have kind of taken advantage, and it just didn't quite happen. Then you get hit with a sucker punch. So, like, is there is there a little bit of a disconnect between performances and results? Um, I'll say that was probably more the case earlier in the season. Certainly, we had, we had a few home games. We started off with Luton. Sorry, we started off with Fulham, Wolves, and Luton very early on. I think in three of our first four home games and played quite well in all of them, but being amazing and, and dominated the games and, and lost all of them. Um, and it felt like that point, it was a bit like scratching your head, thinking, "Why can't we stick the ball in the back of the net?" Um, I think the performances aren't as good now as, as they were at the start of the season overall. Um, but I think that's just a bit of a case of wear and tear, like I said, with a, a squad that, that is small and that has been pushed to breaking point. You know, he's, he's probably got about 13, 14 lads, I think, that, that he trusts in the squad, Dice, and he sort of makes it very clear in his selections and his substitutions who he doesn't doesn't trust. And he's tried to sort of wring everything out of, of those as, he, as, as much as those as he could. So you're asking players to, to go to the well time and time again. And I think Saturday actually summed that up really well because you're right, we obviously conceded that very early goal and you, you know, Spurs are a good side. You see him, you know, goes to the Etihad and playing really well with a second string side there and, and getting a getting a result. And you kind of think, oh no, looking at looking at us and how we, we've been playing and the, the squad we had out that day. But they dug in and with, with a better side, I think, for, for the first half. And like you said, could have gone in ahead and end up going in behind. And again, you're thinking, oh no, here we go, sort of thing. But 
even in the second half, they didn't play as well as the first half. They tied a lot. The substitutions gave us a, a little bit of something, but they're, they're kind of lacking in quality at the moment in, in our options coming off the bench. But they found a way of just, just managing to drag something out of the game. And, and, and that's sort of where we are at the moment. I'm hopeful that once the core is back in the side, once Anana comes back into the side, that those performance levels will start to, to pick up a little bit. But I think for the time being, it's just a case of just getting results on the board in any way we can. And, and that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, you mentioned the points deduction as well a bit earlier on, and I, I guess it'd be very easy to look at Everton as a team kind of struggling in the league, 19 points, you know, in the bottom three. Uh, but like, if you add the 10 points back to that tally, suddenly you're up in 12th and it's a, it, it feels like a lot more comfortable season. Do you, are you feeling like you're in a little bit of a false position because of that at the moment? Yes and no. I think certainly after those four wins I talked about before, before Christmas, it, it felt like this... This is the team that's mid-table, really, and you know would have potentially been looking for for European places without that deduction. But as the reality of the squad has kind of bitten us, it's it's looked very much like we are kind of where we should be in a sense. And listen, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this um, saying you know you've been punished for for something for a breach that the club have admitted you, you deserve, it, and that's that, that's fair enough. But it's not really anything to do with Sean Dyche or nothing at all to do with the players, certainly. Um, you know, they they've accrued those points in in a way which is which has been absolutely fair from their perspective. So yeah, they they, they should be a team that's mid table, but it's just it's just one of them now at the moment where I've been quite calm and had quite a lot of perspective about the, the relegation battle and I really thought we were we were in it. And at the halfway point, I think even though we were a point or two above Luton, it was one of them where it was a case of right. In the first half of the season we've been about ten points better than them. There's no reason why we can't do that again in the second half of the season, but they've picked up a little bit. We've dropped off. Um, I think there's other teams around there that have kind of been dragged in a little bit as well. So it, it's all starting to get a little bit tenser now. Um, but I think I think for Everton, it's just a case of getting Decore fit. I think if he, if he plays two-thirds of the games to be now in the end of the season, then I think we'll be we'll be sound because Sean Dyche has been at Everton for a year now and he's still not won a Premier League game without that lad in the starting eleven because he's so important to, to everything we do. So I think if we can get him fit, get him playing between now and the end of the season, we should be all right. But without him, it, it might be a bit of a struggle. Yeah. When when is he due back? Do you know? Is he um is he is he likely to be there for this weekend? I think it's it's one of them. I, I I imagine so after obviously we've got you guys on Saturday and then it's Crystal Palace at home on the Monday. A few the, the, sorry, the following week. And I I just kind of look at it and think if he's if he's fit, like Obviously, the quality City have got and our realistic chances going to the Etihad, I'd kind of be tempted just to say, have another week and just just get yourself fully right because he is so important to us. As as much as he would make a difference to us if he played on Saturday, he's not going to make as much of a difference, I think, to, to, for us to be able to go to City and necessarily win the game or, or even get a point. So I think we might see him on the bench at the weekend um, and maybe he could get off an hour here and there if, if the game's still in the balance or you know it's nil-nil or, or we're trailing by a, a goal and the manager thinks we can get something out of it. Uh, but I certainly won't be rushing him back for the weekend unless he was anything near 100%. Yeah. Who is going to be key for you at weekend, do you think? Who uh, Who are the players that are, that are you know, causing problems for the other team right now? Well, from from both perspectives, really, attacking and defensively, I'd say the, the two centre-backs have been have been pretty good. By a large, um, Tarkovsky's coming on, on a free transfer and been excellent for us, really. Um, just dead consistent, not missed the game puts his body on the line every week and is obviously really in tune with what, what this manager wants, having been brought in by by Frank Lampard initially. Um, and he's a massive threat in, in the opposition box as well. He, he wins 
a staggering amount of headers and I'm, you know you might see this at the, at the weekend he's not really someone who's, who's got a huge spring on him but he just sort of muscles his way to the ball so well and, and by and large whenever they get a, a free kick or a corner he, he wins that first ever header and that's where the, the you know the chaos and our opportunities sort of come from and sort of at the other end of the spectrum from a defensive point of view, view has been Bramthwaite who looks every inch you know, obviously, we we had John Stones when he was when he was very young at Everton, and you could see straight away that he had so much potential. And this lad looks like he he, he could go in a in a similar route. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be playing in midfield for for City in <laughs> the past six, seven, eight years and, and winning trebles because what Stones has gone on to do and the player he's gone to become is is absolutely remarkable and has probably outstripped what he, we even expected for him at such a young age. But he, he's that he's that type of defender in the sense where just just great on the board, they're composed, but when you need to battle and when you need to have some of a bit of snarl, he's got that about him as well. And I think being left-sided really helps that. And I think he's one of those players that we're sort of looking at, kind of enjoying while he's here, because I think if he continues playing like he is, the age he is, the type of defender he is, there'll be a lot of clubs looking at him further down the line. So those two, I'd say, have been our standouts recently, um, aside from Decore and Mikalenko left back to the good season as well. But I think they're going to have to be absolutely on it uh, from a defensive point of view, and, and certainly Tarkovsky from an attacking point of view, which is mad to say, uh, going into the game on Saturday. Yeah, um, I mean, on a, on the attacking point of view as well, is uh, that the commentators uh, at weekend were quite focused on uh, Calvert Lewin getting his goal and getting back into the into the swing of things, um, and obviously in the end, it, uh, it it wasn't his goal; it hit Harrison <laughs> on the way in. Um, how's he doing right now? Yeah, it, it's been it's been tough for Dom. I think he he just looks like someone who's. Feels like he needs a bit of a break at the moment. Um, obviously, he had so many bad injury issues uh, going back from a couple of years ago when it looked like it, it finally cracked for him under Angelotti, and he was getting amazing service every week from Rodriguez and, and Dino and, and Richarlison, and he was he was being that that really good number nine. He was just there to, to finish everything off. And since then, he's he's been ruined by injuries, and and now he's back in the team and he's fit, and he, he can't buy a goal. Um, I think he, I think he I think he does still contribute to to the team. I think his his run off the ball, his hold up play is still good. He will happily still battle, but he's just like earlier in the season when he came back, he just seemed to have that that look on his face and that joy of I'm back playing football after so long sitting on my arse injured. This is great, and that kind of carried on a little bit while he wasn't scoring goals, but it's, it's gone into a new phase now where it's just like, right, I need to get a goal here. And I did feel dead sorry for him at the weekend because Harrison knew absolutely nothing about that at all, did he? So it, it was one of them where you kind of look at it thinking, God, I think Harrison would have happily given Carvalho in the goal, given how long it's gone for, but he's still contributing. And and for me, he's still Everton's best centre-forward because Beto came in in the summer for 25 million, hasn't really set anything alight yet. Chimiti's come in. He looks like very much a project for the future. So, um, it's it's just tough going for Dom. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he got rested, to be honest, on on Saturday because I think in better you've got someone who's just going to leg it around and chase lost causes and, and might be a bit more of a threat in behind against City when they're pressing high. So, he might get arrested at the weekend, but he just he just needs something to drop for him at the moment, and he he just seems to be a player with the weight of the world on his shoulders a little bit. 
Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned um, that uh, Beto might be your man for the weekend because I, I was interested to to kind of get your take on what you what you fancy Dyche to do at the weekend. Um, obviously, when he came to the Etihad with Burnley, his record was was generally sit behind the ball, sit deep, and, and try and keep it compact. I don't imagine he's going to do something much more revolutionary than that. What what are you what are your thoughts on going away to teams like City under Dyche compared to previous managers? Um, the the away home the the away form has been quite. Good in the main this season, and um, we haven't lost many. Um, I think we lost the we lost the Villa early on, which was like a horrific performance very early in the season. But I think they went on a really good run after that. They, they lost at Anfield, although I don't know if you remember that game. They were very unfortunate with some decisions. Actually, Young got sent off, and then Canate somehow avoided a a, um, a red card for a second book, and very similar to the one he got at the weekend. Funnily you, enough, and you mean to tell me Liverpool got lucky at Anfield? I yeah, don't believe it. it yeah, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> first, first time for everything. But yeah, and they lost that game two 0 in the end. But they, they did well, and they were in the game for a long spell. And they lost to Wolves as well. But other than that, I think they're the only games they've, they've lost all season away from home in the league. So they've they've, they've been good and, and and they've been solid. And they, I think what they've done well is, and I think. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say Sean Dice plays amazing football, and that all the concept, all the preconceptions about him are wrong because because of the nod. It is it is hard and it is physical sometimes. But I think what a lot of fans don't realise is that Everton really do pick the moments to press and go after teams in games. It, it's not just right to get back to the edge of the box, keep your shape, and we'll take it from there. They, they will try, and I think actually if you think back to the game at, at Goodison when City played on the 27, that's where Everton's goal comes from, doesn't it? I think someone mm. pinches the ball off Rodri on the edge of the box. He makes a little mistake and, and Harrison gets in and scores. So I think there might be the odd spell in the game where they try and do that. I'd say there might be four or five times early on where they really try and go after City, win it high and, and get a set piece and score. But I think as the game goes on, you will see them retreating a bit more. In terms of team selection, I would be tempted just to, to mix it up a little bit from an Everton perspective. I think Dwight McNeil is in badly need of a rest. He's struggling on the pitch. He's got a lot of stuff going on off the pitch at the moment as well. It, it just looks like it's all starting to weigh him down a lot. Harrison Simler has played a lot of games. So maybe it's one you just re- refresh a little bit. Um, I think he might, it wouldn't surprise you if he played a back five as well. So maybe a few little tweaks here and there because I think, except being brutally honest, I think that Crystal Palace game and, you know, just over uh, a fort, sorry, just under a fortnight's time is, is the big one for us. And I think you'll be looking at it thinking, I want my best eleven or something as close as possible to that playing in that game and the more being in the in the best condition. So I think Saturday's just gonna be one of those where we've just got to grit our teeth, get through it. If we can get a point, if we can have a Damari Gray moment like last year in, in that game, then then so be it. But it's um I think we all know realistically it's gonna be dead hard for us. Yeah, well, we've uh, we've got the charity back coming up a bit later on in the show, Matt. Um I'm gonna give my prediction to you. So uh what's your score prediction for this game? Oh, I can't I can't I can't go <laughs> I don't know. Does, does the fact that it's charity mean that I shouldn't really say a draw or an Everton win? Hey, it's, <laughs> it's, it's entirely up to you. And listen, I would predict a City win. So if, if Everton pulls something off, then you might win some money. Go on, I'll go one all. Just, you know, I've, I've got to back me lads a little bit, haven't I? So I'll go one all. And I'll take like Tarkovsky to score or something if I, if I could. So one all, Everton. 10% possession, one shot on target, one set piece. Going to nick something. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But don't worry, it'll be over soon. That was Matt Jones. Um, interesting to hear him talk, Jack, about uh, Everton basically knowing when to press City. Um, because, 
like City need to be on top of, of the momentum shifts in this game, much like they were against Brentford in that, like the number of times against Brentford where Brentford were trying to press them and City just went, no, we're going to play our game and, and took control of the game back, I thought it was very impressive. And that kind of is going to be the same thing this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, and it is. It, he's right. You have to know when the right time to do it is, but I, I don't know whether any of the, or many of the teams in the bottom half of the division actually do know. It's It's all well and good saying that yeah, there are, there are the right times to do it. But, I mean, look at Brentford on... Brentford's a good case study because it happened last week, or this week, but the game was so open. Like, there was so... Swayze of, like, park in the middle of the... in the middle of the pitch for them to play in once they'd beaten the first... I don't... I hate the word press. Honestly, genuinely hate the word <laughs> press. But when they when they beat that, that first line, then they were away... So uh, I think Brentford were particularly good at trying to pen them in, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and Everton, I'd look, like, look at some of the look at the likely team that Everton have put out. I don't. It doesn't seem to me to be a a team that you would be fearful of that are able to sort of nick possession high up the pitch. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like. It's not. It's never never struck me as a Sean Dyche sort of the way he he gets the best out of his players. And you look at, at kind of how Everton are likely to attack City, Adam. Um, I mean, we talk about the, the Brentford game as a blueprint. I mean, City do keep conceding that goal with a ball over the top and a runner in behind. Yeah, and Everton will will have a good go at it in classic Dyche, old Dyche fashion. I think Pickford and Calvert-Lewin and some of the big lads in midfield will be looking at that. Uh, especially they'll be looking at that Luton goal and think, uh, Luton goal, the Brentford goal and thinking, right, we've got that within us as well. So City are going to have to be really careful and they're going to have to defend way better than they did for some of those over the tops against Brentford. So that, that's one way they can get through us. And I don't know if Decore is still out for Everton, but uh, him coming back would be a big plus for them if he's, if he's around. But yeah, City have just got to be really, really, really careful to not yeah. concede same goal over and over again because it does feel like that's where we're getting caught out as much as we've been getting caught out on the counter in in recent times it's that kind of flick on over the top that's a bit concerning yeah um let's have a quick look at Copenhagen again still uh Jack they haven't played since the 12th of December so a good old good old classic podcast question here for you to eviscerate me on uh will it be fresh or rusty yeah well who knows David we'll <laughs> Two months is mad that they've not played. I didn't realise it was that long um, over in that part of the world. Just winter break. I, I, bit, bit, in fairness, a bit chilly in Denmark. It is chilly, yeah. But given that the, the league does play, it does go from August or July, I think. Um, it does seem like a, yeah, quite a long time. Well, they've had they've had two months to, to look at, to prepare for this game, David. So, you know. Yeah, always dangerous. Always dangerous. Tricky, yeah. tricky place to go. Adam, Adam um, did mention before though that they uh, did cause your United side a lot of problems. So, uh, how much of that was well, just was United, funny, being, alive, was f- being United? That, that was a funny night, that wasn't it? I was watching that, going, "My God, just, uh, just absolutely incredible game that." Um, but it's like what I was saying before with the with the atmosphere. It's like quite a quite a raucous place to play football. Um, that stadium, and they will, they'll have to, they'll have, yeah, they will have to be mindful that they, they do have, they've got some tidy players. They got um, the lad who scored the winner against United, whose name escapes me. 
Is it Rooney? Yeah, it's Rooney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he's been watched by quite a lot of clubs already. Like the yeah, they they're good. They are a good side. And you're right in that if they've had they've not got you know they've not been playing every three four days have they for the last two months? So they they are going to be they are going to be fresh. Um, and I can't yeah they'll be bang up for it. I, mean, I think I'm quite looking forward to it. It's going to be a good uh, it's going to be a good night. I think. Yeah, Are you going out there to cover it. Yeah, yeah, go Monday yeah. morning. Yeah. You lucky boy, it's my favourite place on earth. <laughs> Is it? That's interesting. Oh, absolutely. I, en- I enjoyed it last year, but like sort of put off by the finances involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. After a few days, I was I, I very much disliked it, but then I went home and thought I'd love to be able to afford to live there. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Adam- Mermaid, did you go mermaiding? Uh, I was warned against it and saw it from across the river, and I'm very glad I did because it's absolutely tiny. What's yeah, it's small. What is mermaiding? It's, it's the Little Mermaid, uh, the statue of the Little Mermaid. Oh yeah, but as, as a verb, mermaiding is that what you said? Oh, I think that's that. what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Edit, edit can... it out if you want. No, <laughs> I mean it's. I, 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 be, be honest with you, mate. It's got title potential. So um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh no. I'm just thinking of the AI images that I've been generating for the uh, the podcast titles recently. What uh, what would make a good one? Jack, so. Jack Gorn goes mermaiding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have to tell us all about that next when you uh, when you come back, mate. Um, well, for tour that. Yeah, um, let's get some predictions on the board. Um, we didn't win on the charity bet against Brentford, but there are two chances to add to the total of £690 in this week's show. William Hill has given us three £10 correct score singles on City's games. The winnings are going to the Man City fans' food bank support group. They'll be outside the Etihad early on Saturday, so do go and see them with a donation if you can. Um, we heard earlier on that Matt went for a one-all draw in the uh, City-Everton game. That's 12 to one and £120 if he's right. Adam, what are you having for this one? I am going for 2-1. 2-1 City is 17-2 to two and £85 if you're right. Jack? Uh, I've gone for 4-1, but now I'm thinking half 12 kickoff, maybe it won't be. Well, if it is, fast. but if but, it is, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, they beat Liverpool 4-1 in this slot uh, last season, so... Yeah, you never know. Uh, okay. Fourteen to one and one hundred and forty pounds if you are right. Um, Jack, I'm going to start with you for Copenhagen. What are you having? Um, I'm going to go for two each. Two each is uh, a huge twenty-five to one and uh, two hundred and fifty pounds oh. if you are right. Uh, Adam, what are you having? Three-one City away win. Three-one away win is eleven to one and one hundred and ten pounds. I've got a two-nil City away win uh, that is eleven to two and fifty-five pounds if I'm right. Remember, you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for information on how to gamble responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. We will squeeze in a couple of quick listener questions now uh, at Blooming Podcast on Twitter. If you want to send them in, uh, you can email as well through the website on bloomingpodcast.com. Just fill in the form there. Mo says everything may well be above board, but should City be extra transparent or even? avoid deals like going after Savio after they've joined other teams in the CFG so there isn't more finger pointing and accusations of cheating than there is already. Uh, so for context on this one, uh, Jack you mentioned the the um, the deal a bit earlier on. Uh, Savio is currently on loan at Girona and by all accounts doing really well as you say. Um, he's on loan from, and now I th- here we are, I don't know how to say this team name. Trois. Troy? Trois. Trois. Mm. Okay, well, that's uh, you learn. I did French A level as well. You learn something new every day. Um, he's on loan from uh, from. Were they, that, were they were they doing much about the French second division at, in front French uh, A level? No, but I know La Rochelle like the back of my hand. 
Um, but he's, anyway, he's on loan there. Uh, where is the record sign? He's on loan from there. Where is the record signing? Uh, he joined them in the summer of 2022. Uh, immediately loaned out to PSV, and then last summer loaned to Girona. Um, and uh, both Tra and uh, that was an awful pronunciation, but we're going with it. Uh, and Girona are part owned by the City Football Group. Um, Jack, is there is there an image issue here? Um. Well, part of the, I mean, part of the CFG model, whether you like it or not, part of it is player trading within the clubs. Um, and the difference with this is that it's the first, he's the first player to come from a CFG club which who might actually make it at City. So it's going to raise questions. Well, people are going to talk about it. Um, now, his development is interesting because... He was signed by Twa, didn't play, got loaned to PSV, got injured but wasn't very good at PSV. And then Girona, I know for a fact, Girona weren't really having him. The manager wasn't really having him when it was suggested that he should go there. And then he played really well in an under-20 tournament for Brazil. And the sporting director at Girona convinced the manager that he would be a good, good signing. And he's proven to be a good signing. But it wasn't like, yeah, it was. It wasn't the plan that he would go to Girona, do do re, placed in Girona, do really well, and then they sell him to City, because there were people around Girona that didn't think that he would fit their system, and he and he and he might not produce what he was gonna, what he is, you know, ultimately ultimately done in La Liga, and he's had a brilliant season. So, yeah, it's it, it's a difficult one. I could sort of understand why there'll be eyebrows raised but and I, and the question sort of right it'd be easier for City if they didn't sign him at all but then they built this sort of collection of clubs this group and want to use it to their advantage and the other clubs have been using it to their advantage for a, for a long time in sort of trading between themselves I mean there's a striker um, that went to Girona last year, Castellanos, who was being looked at by Premier League clubs. He went to Girona from New York, did really well, and he's been sold to Lazio. Now that doesn't involve City, but is a it's New York and Girona is another together, example yeah. of the CFG working together. So I don't look if it, if it, if it transpired that they played that they've paid five million pounds for Savio from Troyes and Troyes then have to pay. 20% of that to um, the club in South America he came from. Then you go in, that's not fair market value. That's wrong um, for a 20-year-old winger from Brazil who's done really well in the you know second-best league, arguably the second-best league in Europe. If they go and pay the money you would expect them to pay for a winger of that you know, ilk, then you, you within the Premier League's rules, and I don't know... Despite despite some of the rivals being potentially upset by the business, I don't I don't know what don't know what anyone could really do about it. To be honest, yeah, I mean Adam, the, as Jack mentions there, if the fee is fair and the Premier League looks at it and go, well, you know, if you were really trying to cheat the system, you'd have just paid a lot less than that. I mean, like, what more to it is there? Nothing, and I mean, just just play on. Like, if if they're paying twenty five million quid or whatever. And if he's rubbish, send him back to Girona. Like, 
let's that'll really ruffle feathers, won't it? Comes over, <laughs> doesn't play very well, and they're like, oh, we'll just loan him back for another year. Be all right. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. And do you know what? Twenty five million quid's not not loads of money in in Premier League transfer terms anymore, is it? So see what happens. Do you re- do you remember the fuss that Frank Lampard caused? <laughs> I've just remembered this now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always going to cause fuss, though, isn't it? I mean, the Frank Lampard thing. Do rival clubs would have more of a leg to stand on? I think. Yeah. With the Lampard stuff, because it all happened so quickly. Mm. Um, but I mean, with the Savio thing, if they do, you know, if they pay fair market value for for a player from another, t- like I'm not really sure what you can do. And there's like there's loads of like loads of clubs in England trying to follow the same the same model. You know, you've got Brighton and Chelsea and Sheff- even Sheffield United, even Burnley, like. Leicester have done it. Like, there are a number of different clubs that have a multi-club sort of ownership model behind them. Um, but it's, you know, it's the sort of thing that is going to be scrutinised heavily. Um, and if you, I'm sure the way that City are looking at everything to do with um, various charges and things like that, if they thought there was any sort of potential problem with it I don't think they'd proceed yeah yeah that is uh, I know it's not something I'd even thought about that bit so yeah um the uh, you've do you say you've seen him play Jack or you've uh, you're just aware you spoke to yeah people no I went it, to yeah. um I, I did a feature in Girona the other week and I went to the game in the Copper of Del Rey and he played but it looked like he played within himself quite a bit um like he was good but it didn't feel like he was at full throttle but yeah he looks um looks a tidy player and he's he's got um put up some good numbers for Girona this year um, and they're very very excited about him but didn't yeah at the time when I was there which was three weeks ago um, they didn't well they weren't forthcoming with what the plan was for him yeah so uh, so we'll keep an eye on that one uh, but for now that is the end of this week's Blue Moon Podcast thank you very much for listening and thanks also to my guests for this one Adam Keyworth thanks for having me and Jack Gaunt thanks very much mate There's a clip of this week's Patreon bonus show on the way, so stay tuned for that. I'll be back next week to review the games with Everton and Copenhagen. See you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. Going back to superstition, I did this thing of, so where we were sat, we were starting um, second tier of the family stand on that day. I, I got sick, managed to get tickets together with my dad because he didn't even have a season ticket at the time. And then um, it was like this little runway behind because we were right at the back. So it was like, you could sort of, you could sort of run behind. So there was like space behind. So I was like, oh, you know what? It's unlucky being sat in my seat. I was like, it's unlucky this. It's unlucky. So <laughs> And then we scored, and then Zeko scored. I was like, right, I'm not going back in my seat again now. I'm not going back in my seat. I started sitting down, and then again, just, you know, out of pure nerves. Sat down again, I'm like, sitting down, and I'm like, no, I need to get up, I need to get up and move about. And then, you know, obviously, um, we scored. And as I say, because we had this runway, I could I could run quite far. Um, and just Did it just ran. all come out at that point? Yeah. I absolutely just sprinted down and just drugged this bloke who, you know, probably good, like... 
20 meters away, like just grabbed hold of him, hugged this bloke, and then like, you know, ran, ran back to my mate, hugged him. Oh, it was just mental, wasn't it? It was just nothing like it. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. And join us again next time for another episode. Yeah.